With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Elliot Barr, and then joining me as two guys that can wait almost three hours for the end of a risk kickers games. It's Madison Air. How are you guys doing today? Doing fine. Um, finished watching the game at pretty much 11 o'clock at night on Saturday. <laughs> Interesting. And it's funny because uh, the commentator was actually talking about how when the game started, the heat index was at like 110 degrees. And when the restart happened, it was like 75 degrees. Trust me, me and Matt know about the heat index. Because we did a <laughs> service event that morning. And, uh-huh. yo, it, it was baking out there, man. Oh, man. Yeah. It was, it was a, you know, a good time. I mean, not going to lie. Been, been at City Stadium later than that before, actually. You know, waiting out rain delays. Yep, it, it seems like an every year thing for us. <laughs> Yeah, so this one wasn't this one wasn't that bad. I mean, it, you know, the rain wasn't that bad. It was all the lightning that held us up more than anything else. So, you know, all of us you know, that you know were there, you know, us uh, merry band of idiots who stuck around for hours <laughs> upon hours, uh, we were having a good time and you know didn't really have to you know run for cover other than like a five minute period. You know, so uh, highly recommend it if you ever get the opportunity to just randomly hang around in City Stadium, uh, you know, drinking beers with friends. Good time. Yeah, what you had what Luke's parents in section O, Monty came down like it was a who's who of people hey, that we would have never thought. It's the place to be. We all we all know this. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Man, so this game, I'm gonna actually got thoughts on it. We're gonna obviously go do it, man. But I'm gonna give you guys thoughts on it. How do you guys think the kickers played on it? Played in this game from the onset. How do you guys? Uh, so I think the biggest thing, if you look at the game, it looked really different than almost every other game because the kickers were ball dominant. Yeah, you know, all year. You know, how many times have we talked about? All right, you know, possession's not everything, but man, would I like to have the ball a little bit more and everything like that? I think uh, what was the final stat? Like over sixty percent, you know, on the ball. Uh, you know, this game, uh, and you know, every time you, know, you kind of looked up. All right. Kickers were on the ball. They were in the Fort Lauderdale defensive half. Uh, so very pleasant, you know, ch- you know change, you know, from having to wonder if we're going to get a quick counter strike, uh, you know, constantly wondering of, okay, you know, are, is here going to be able to, you know, grab this one out of the air, you know, Jalen and Yvonne going to be able to head this one away, rinse and repeat over and over again. So on that level, you know, a really different look from the group. <clears throat> yeah, really. It it felt different. 
I think I made a made a thing in my notes about like the kickers are applying pressure and forcing turnovers, which is something that rarely ever happens in the first thirty minutes of a half. Like usually, like you gotta wait to sixty, seventy, fifty minutes. But from the onset, outside of the goal, the kickers were on the front foot, and it was a positive sight to see because I wasn't doing this constant thing of biting my nails, of waiting to see like, all right, who's gonna create the chance? Who's just gonna decide to? Put their foot on the ball yeah. and try to create something. It seemed like everyone was trying to create something. Yeah, that's a, that's a little bit of a you know you know caveat you slid in there. Other than the goal we allowed. Yeah, you know, you gotta put that in there. <laughs> yeah, it it was really refreshing to see that. I don't know. For me, I wasn't too worried, even though we were a goal down for practically almost the entire game. Because it just felt like we were eventually going to score. Because we had that dominance. We had that, that, the fact that Akira, I think he only made like one real save in the entire game. I mean, the only two opportunities that they really had on goal, one of them was they scored and the other one he saved. And even that one, I mean, that was a routine save for Akira. And uh, it, it just felt like eventually the ball's going to hit the back of the net. Eventually we're going to score because we just kept uh, Fort Lauderdale on the back foot. We, we had them on the ropes for pretty much the entire game, apart from the moment when they scored. Yeah, I, I think on the ropes, I think might be a step farther than I'm willing to go with it. Certainly had, <laughs> you know, had the possession and you know, we're keeping it down there. Uh, but, you, know, you look at the stats. He lost of shots, but you know, calendar only had to make two saves, you know, the entire game. So it's you know, kind of, I mean, it felt like a reverse every other game you know, that we ever watched, where you know, our guys are you know giving them you know the looks, the low percentage chances, letting them take them, and they constantly miss the target. And Akira ends up with a one or two save, you know, sort of game, you know, as well. And we're like, okay, well, yeah, they had the ball, but what do they do with it? Yeah, and the man of the match, you know, Kira usually gets his man of the match out there. <laughs> yeah, well, this time he didn't get man of the match, did he? No, he didn't. Man. Okay, because he, he barely had to do anything. I, I know Kira was probably bored for most of the game. <laughs> <laughs> um, so outside of the two lineup delays we have, we had some interesting lineup changes. Yet, of course, we had Chris Cole. He got to start for Monty. Uh, we did get a little update on Monty. Oh, Matt Myers. I'm gonna let you break the news if you would like to, sir. Oh, okay. So this is uh, you know not officially official, but uh, as you may have realized, uh, the there's a long delay during the game. Monty was at the game, so you know chatted with him a little bit. According according to the player himself, which that's always the big grain of salt that you take you know, here. You know, he seems to think he's you know doing pretty well and thinks that he'll be able to come back. Uh, this week, I don't know if that means Wednesday. I don't know if that means Saturday. Uh, I think players also always overestimate their own recovery, you know, as well. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully he's right. He'll be back on the field, you know, shortly. Uh, but I thought Cole did a, you know, you know, pretty decent job, you know, filling in for him at left back. Yeah, I think he did. Well. I think he did fine. I think he did really well pushing up. Um, if he's our backup, I feel fairly confident he's in this kind of rotation. Um, yeah, I feel confident a little back there. He's done well. I think what this is his second start of the year mm-hmm. so far. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's done fine. 
So, outside of Chris Cole, we also had uh, I know you're about to be excited. We had Stanley get his first start of the year, and he almost had an assistant, assistant the first minute. Snare, I want to ask you, what was your level of excitement when you Stanley started? Because I know this is your son. Oh, yeah. No, I was I was excited that not only was he starting, but he was actually being played in, a, in an attacking position. Um, the few times that we have seen him come on this season so far, he's been playing in the midfield. And uh, I, from the moment we signed him uh, last year, uh, from the highlights that we were able to catch of him prior to uh, joining the Richmond Kickers, he is an attacking player. He's a, a, a player who needs to be a part of the attacking line. Um, he can create. He can assist. He can finish, and that is basically his game. And I, it was kind of boggling to me that I understand last last year there was the injury issues, um, him coming back from injury. He wasn't fully fit throughout the compressed COVID season that we had. Um, but again having him in the midfield was always seemed a bit strange to me today. He seemed a lot more comfortable. And I mean, look, we almost had a, another <laughs> Matt Bulldog moment of scoring within the first like two minutes. And I, I was, I was really happy to see him get that assist or almost get that assist. Yeah. I, I think that was the biggest shocker. I don't know what, cause I don't think anyone else, <laughs> I don't think anyone else in the front, was hurt. I know Darren had to replace Zaka because he had his red card in the previous game. But if you would have told me Stanley would have started before, I would have been like, either Matt hurt, Olex isn't starting, just obviously someone had to be hurt in order for Stanley to start because I was not expecting that. But he came on, he did well. Like, he created, he asked questions of the defense. Um, do you guys think he'll start? games in the future, or do you think this might have just been a one-off? I mean, uh, yeah, go ahead. I, I mean, I think he can, he, he can start. I think he's going to be, you know, a regular starter. Probably not. Uh, but I think you know, he can certainly be able to fill in during busy periods like we're running into you know, right now. Uh, so I think, you know, Darren probably has a little bit of, you know, that foresight with you know, making sure guys you know, stay rotated and because you know, uh, you're right. You know, had forced to make a change initially with Zaka, and you dropped you know Victor back a step, dropped Neil back, uh, you know step, you know in there. You know, Maddie kind of played a little bit you know, further you know, back than he had been you know, before. So uh, there's some adjustments, but I think you know he showed you know fairly well for himself. I don't think he ruled himself out from getting you know another extended run, whether as a starter or as a uh, you know heavy minute sub. Um, real quick, I just want to ask you guys about the Zaka. Now, on the broadcast, they were kind of saying that Victor was playing this um, Zaka role, and for those who don't know, the Zaka role is pretty much the deep line playing midfield. I don't really feel like anyone was playing the Zaka role, and I think that might have been the, the lead up to the first goal. Because um, the vibe that I got from it was Emmy and Stanley were up top, and then behind them was kind of just like a 4 4 2. I might be wrong with that, but that's what it felt like for me. What you guys think? 
Yeah, that's what that is what it looked like. It looked like you had um, Milanos on one side, Bulldog on the other, and and Emmy and Stanley uh, playing the 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 two strikers, um, which left uh, Neil and Victor as our two central midfielders. And I I don't know. It 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 seemed more diamond like because you saw Vignal getting involved with uh, uh, Neil Vignal getting involved more with the attack than Victor Falk was. Victor was a little more of uh, of like the destroyer midfielder was putting out fires in the midfield. So he wasn't exactly playing the. Um, the uh, Zaka role, but I think he was the closest to that role on the field. Yeah, I don't think he was out. I don't think he was told to go out there and you know be Zaka. Yeah, I think uh, a that it doesn't make sense to try to tell one player to be another player, you know, anyway because they have different you know skill sets, you know, overall. Uh, I, I certainly think you know Victor was the most defensive minded of the four, uh, you know, that you named out. Uh, and you know, we saw him play in that general role last year and do well with it. Uh, so it was a little bit of a you know, change of you know, shape, change of philosophy. It looked like, uh, at the same time, very confident that we're going to see Zachary come right back in the lineup uh, on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, now this is one thing that I thought about near the end of the game. Um, cause I had to rewatch the game today because I missed it. But do you shameful not- shame. Uh, yeah, I love, uh, thank you, Shane, for it. I was at a dinner party. Look, I, ha- I had to be a good husband. I was at a dinner party, too. It was at City Stadium with about <laughs> 1,800 of my friends. <laughs> I missed y'all, but I, look, I had to be there. We were out in Louisa County, which means zero cell phone service. Shane, you know all about that. Um, <laughs> but I want to ask you guys this question. This is something I thought about at the end of the show. Would Zaka... And I don't know what it was because it seemed like the kickers were being a lot more pushing forward a lot more in this game. Like they were creating a lot more chances. Not saying they were finishing chances by any stretch of the imagination, but the ball seemed to be playing a lot quicker. Do you think with Zaka in there, like the ball kind of slows up a little bit more and it kind of get like log jam? Or do you think this might have just been a result of Fort Lauderdale sitting back so much that the kickers just had had the ball for I think we set the tone early um, with that very, very, very early chance. Um, with with that early chance, it kind of put Fort Lauderdale on their heels, which allowed us a little bit more space in the midfield. And especially after they scored the goal, I think Fort Lauderdale was in the mode, the mindset of just holding on for dear life. And because of that, again, the midfield is a little more open because they're sitting a little more back, more uh, a little further back. Uh, I think even if Zaka was in, they probably would have been uh, same story because, like I said, Fort Lauderdale, I think, were key in the pace of our game. Yeah, and I think that's about right. I think you have to take in uh, consideration, you know, game state, opponent. Uh, all these things, and it's also one data point. It's hard to you know, really say, you know, for sure that Zaka you know slows us down. And uh, you know, for the most part, 
I don't think that's you know been the you know, the issue. I think it might have changed the way we attack, uh, you know, because you know we saw a lot less of the you know kind of you know, speculative balls. See if you know Bolaños or uh, Boldick or you know anyone else can you know chase them down. We still saw some of them, of course, you know, especially when Olix you know, comes in the game later on. But it was a lot more of uh, you know, kind of controlled possession. I thought. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, and that's, that's very true. That's something that I saw a lot of. It was just. It just seemed as I don't know what it was, but it was like we've been saying, this was a weird game because it seemed that the kickers was like really making a point of getting on the ball and making smart, simple passes. Because how many times have we seen games with kickers where a ball would be played to someone's feet and they either mishandle it or it's a mispass or someone overran a ball? And it didn't seem like that. Like it seemed like or just pass, pass, kick it long. Yeah, like it seemed like a very poised game for them. And that's that's rare. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Darren had been, Darren had been saying over the last you know little while that you know he felt the team was you know coming together, was really getting ready to ramp it up. Uh, not gonna lie, you know, as we were getting to halftime and you know still behind, you know, not much happened. I was wondering where where is this? Uh, but you know, you you could see you know. A, a change again. Now I want to see that change one or two more times to be able to say that it's actually a pattern and not, you know, a one-off. But there's you know, something to take away from that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead. Let's talk about this first play. Um, what are your thoughts on the first play? I have my thoughts, but I'm gonna hold off until you guys get your thoughts in about this first play. So to me, that that first goal. Reminded me, you know, of a training exercise that, you know, I did a million times, you know, from like U13 up through U19. I did not play at a high level, you know, either. You know, it looks like your standard, you know, hey, we're going to do a, you know, 3v2, you know, 4v3 type, you know, attacking versus defense, you know, sort of situation. You, you know, you know, space and wide. And then, you know, inevitably there's going to be an open man and not much pressure on the ball. What is Akira supposed to do? Wasn't great. You're you're absolutely right, and I think this play literally started from the throw-in, um, because when you look at it, Avon he leaves. It's okay. I don't want to necessarily blame Avon for it, but I think the two biggest people to look out for in this play is Avon and Victor. Um, and literally, like, uh, there's a huge, I guess you would call it, like, there's nowhere near close to Avon. And normally when you're told on set pieces or on separate uh, throw-ins, it's like mark a man, not space. Like, be close to somebody. Um, and when Hamdahl receives the ball, he kind of, like, plays the through ball into the space where Avon is because Avon, like, steps up. And where Avon steps up to, Hamdahl, like, plays the through ball to uh, Teglahi. And so then from there, it's like, all right, now Vaughn's kind of like trying to get back, but he, I don't know if he's jogging or like in like a three and four sprint, but I can tell he's not running fast. Either Hamdown's like super duper quick, and I don't think he is, but he flows past Avon. And when he receives the ball, like Avon's behind him, so Avon can't affect the play. He lays the ball off. So I think it's Curry. Yeah. And then where Victor is, so I had to re- rewind this play to look at it to see where Victor was. 
Victor already recognizes, like, oh, snap, something's about to happen. Let me make a dead sprint. But he never checks his shoulder at any point to see where Curry is. And by the time he recognizes, like, oh, Curry's behind me, he's already committed to stopping um, Hondo. And every time I say Hondo's name, I think about uh, Idris Elba and Thor. <laughs> Just his last name. Oh, that was. I did not see that being the reference you were going for, but okay. <laughs> I don't know why. Like I was like, oh, no, hmm. all right, good. okay, one more. But um, yeah, I think those are the two biggest culprits on that play. And I think I don't think it's necessarily. I think it's one of result of ball watching. Let me say that. But I also think it's the way how Richard was set up to apply pressure. Like, they're applying pressure in spaces where it's, like, because I saw there's a lot during the game where, like, if anyone received the ball, it was, like, automatically a kicker's play would get super-duper close to them and force them to play the ball back backwards. And on this play, it just it just so happened to break down. What do you think, Shanae? Well, I think, I think there are sometimes you can press a little bit too hard. And I think that's what happened in this situation with those one-two passes that Fort Lauderdale were doing down that left side. It's because the Richmond Kickers players were sit were were, were pressing too close behind the players with their back to goal. Um, so when the ball comes into a play with their back to goal, they just lay it off and go, lay it off and go, lay it off and go. And when you do that, when you're sitting too close, it's easy for someone to just lay the ball off, literally spin you and leave you for dead as they're heading up the field after they've, after they've released that, that layoff pass. And I think that happens literally two times in a row off of that throw-in um, that, leads, that leads to the goal. Like Literally, it goes from that throw-in, throws in, layoff. A long pass, layoff. Another long pass, layoff. And, and then the ball is through. So by now, literally the kickers are literally up one or two steps behind the play as Fort Lauderdale is moving forward in this situation. So I think this was the game plan that Darren had going in, put pressure on them. Don't let them turn, force them to play with their back to to our goal. But the part that wasn't applied after that was – if they pass the ball, don't let them spin you. And that was happening way too often, and that's what led to that goal. That It, it, it literally blew our defense wide open. Yeah, and I also made that noise. I think maybe three or so minutes after that goal, it, it's like Richard had a bad habit of leaving runners wide open. It was almost like who has who. Like It was almost as if everyone was trying to figure out, like, right, who do I have, who do I pick up? Because, like, the goal, like, for instance, like, if someone just simply checks for Curry, that goal doesn't happen. I think, like, right after that, I don't know if another shot happened. I'm trying to remember. I don't think so. But it was just, like, Fort Lauderdale had runners into the box, and nobody picked them up until, like, the last minute. They cut out the chances, but it was kind of like that was a that was a target point for, like, the next three or so minutes, and then Richmond got back in possession, kind of slowed the game down, and then picked things back up from there. Oh, another thing. I know we talk about the poor live podcast, but is Avon taking set pieces from now on? Because he had another one. <laughs> yeah. I'd wait to bring that <laughs> up. Once, once I saw it happen. 
so technically he didn't take the set piece. Yeah. You know, he ended up taking a shot off the set piece. <laughs> Well, I don't know why you, I don't I don't know why you hated my guy. You know, I'm repping I'm, I'm, I'm repping the number four on my my you know, fresh new red Ucrops jersey. <laughs> I'm not hating on him. I'm dying. Mm. But, but let's be real. I mean, don't know why that was close is because it got deflected. No, actually, it was on target until it got deflected, and it, it deflected off of what? Who was it? Terzaghi? Like it hit Terzaghi's like head or something and went out. Chizaki's always going to find a way how to score a goal, <laughs> no matter what. He's going to take yeah. somebody. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can't wait for you know, Yvonne to score the critical goal to like, qualify for us for the playoffs or advance in the playoffs. And then we're, Shanir and I are going to come on here and just have the you know, biggest you know, roast Elliot session for days and days. <laughs> if Yvonne scores a free kick to get us into the playoffs, what? what? What do you do? I will get the number four tattooed on me. If you <laughs> All right. Goal, get us into the playoffs off of set piece, I will get the number four tattooed on me. All right. Timestamp that, y'all. 24 <laughs> minutes into the podcast. Has, look, he has to be taking the, like, the actual set piece. Like, he has to be like... You're saying direct free kick, not like any... What if they like lay it off yeah, and no, he, he rifles it? God. Watch, he's gonna do like upper ninety against poor Madison from twenty five yards out, like Cristiano. Oh, and it and it, and and it like, would be against forward. Oh, that would. <laughs> yeah, and and look, you can you can hear Elliot a little bit mad about it already right now. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, host of the podcast, mad about our player scoring against forward Madison. <laughs> <laughs> that would be just my yeah. look, and I'll just be like. The, the man who goes to dinner parties in Louisa County instead of coming to City Stadium. <laughs> I see what's getting, up. We're, get, we're getting I warmed see what's up, up with the roast. We're getting warmed up with the roast. <laughs> that might be the only thing I'm just like, God damn, he had to choose today to do this. <laughs> and I guarantee you, I'm always probably going to come over there and celebrate a section just stand there like, Jesus. And I'm gonna have to slow that and just walk my ass to Lucky Thirteen to get the tattoo number four. <laughs> there we go. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Aren't you glad you brought this one up? Yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah. It's a great idea. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So back to the rest of this game. In the rest of this first half, it was a bunch of chances created. What I want to ask you guys this: What is it with the kickers? They create chances. It's just nobody is finishing them. Like, what is up with this? Well, there's one guy who finishes them. And yeah, that, that's awesome. hey, there's there's one. Yeah, that's the, that's the main issue. Um, that that's one thing I feel that the kickers have struggled with for a while, finding a clinical fit, a, a, at more than just one clinical finisher. And right now we have Terzaghi, but. He was MVP last year. He has a bullseye on his back. It's going to be very hard to get him chances, a lot harder to get him chances now that everyone knows Terzaghi was the MVP. Terzaghi is the guy to watch on this Richmond Kickers team. So where else can the goals come from? You, you look at some of these other great teams around the world. Um, let's, let's, Look at 
not right now, but a few years ago, Barcelona, it's like Messi's the guy, Messi's the guy, Messi's the guy, but Iniesta can score a goal, can destroy you as well. Xavi can, can, can destroy you as well. Suarez, Neymar, Pedro, David Villa, all of these players were clinical finishers as well. You look at Real Madrid, same thing. Cristiano Ronaldo's the guy, but Benzema, low-key, one of the top scorers in the league. You look in – you, I mean, you even look in MLS back when um, back when Clint Dempsey was at New England Revolution. Taylor Tolman was the guy, but Clint Dempsey and Pat Noonan were definitely players that you had to watch out for because they could finish at the drop of a dime. We only have Terzaghi. And we have players that can create, that can create dangerous situations. We have Olex, we have uh, Bolaños, we have Matt Bolduck, we have, uh, yeah, we, we have all these players that can create chances, that can make a team scared, but the clinical finishing is what we're lacking. Yeah, I think, you know, areas where probably need a little bit you know, more attacking support, I mean, obviously, any other position will, you know, be nice to have that from. I think getting more from the midfield, uh, you know, in terms of actual production uh, on the score sheet, you know, would be a nice benefit because we have that one you know, goal that Neil scored uh, that was, I mean, let's be real, you know, should have been saved. It went, you know, straight through the keeper's hands. Uh, I don't think we have, I don't think anybody else has scored from midfield. I mean, we've gotten, you know, a couple from Monty, you know, Jalen, Sorta of had that one. We'll give it to him. Uh, at, you know, Jalen Chrysler, by the way, uh, team of the week, you know, this week. Big ups to him. Uh, you know, you've got a, you know, a couple from Bolaños, got a couple from Olex, you know, off the wing. But if we can get something from you know, that midfield support, I think that's, you know, might be the next step in being able to be a little bit more dynamic, uh, attack overall. <laughs> I will say this. I think, you know, I'll kind of push back on your point. I think, um, unlike last year, where it, the kickers were not winning unless Terzaghi scored. And I don't think anyone else was close to Terzaghi. Like, I think Terzaghi had, Terzaghi had 10. I think the next closest person had one goal. There's two. Like, Kraft had a couple. Uh, Bolognese had two, but they were both in the same game. Uh, yeah, there, I think there might have been somebody else with two. Yeah, but they were very like spaced out. Like if, if, normally, this is our game. Showed up with the team sheet more, more than likely. This year, I kind of just I feel as if there's other people in the game that can pose a threat. It just so happens to be like, like you said, Matt. Like it's not anymore for the middle. It's usually the front. Um, but the scoring is a little bit more spaced out. Than what it was in the past because, like last year, I mean, this year, for instance, like you could attribute at least a win or two to Bologna's, a win or two to Olex, or the goal. Um, Monty, definitely. Um, where last year it was just Terzaghi, if he wasn't scoring, it was either a draw or a loss, yeah. except, for, except for that game in Omaha when who scored a winner? I, but number he four, box, right? he was in the box, right. <laughs> Scored off, scored off a set piece. He was in a box where he should be. Not out here taking his FIFA. Yo, I can't wait to pull the restrictions drop because I would love to have a free 
kick challenge because I'm on, I probably get murdered. But I nah. <laughs> now to be honest, to be honest with you, I mean, if you look, for example, at it's it's fitting that we're gonna I'm gonna use this example because he comes from the same country, David Luiz, as a center back. Anytime there's a set piece from wide, he's not taking it. He's in the box because he has that height. He has that ability to win balls in the air. But if it's a central set piece, David Luiz is going to want to take that free kick. And I think it's the same thing with Yvonne. Like if, if it's a situation where it's central, you don't really need tall bodies in the box if it's a free kick in the middle third of the field. You're not crossing it. You're aiming for a goal. So you gotta you gotta you gotta give Tezagi the, the 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 ability to try that. You know? He's gonna he's gonna try that because he he does he's oh, not needed in the box. You're I mean Avon, sorry. I'm sorry, Avon. <laughs> I mean you you gotta give that to Avon because I mean he's not needed in the box. If he wants to give it a shot and if he, he feels he got the confidence to take a free kick from the middle third of the field, so be it. We'll, we'll come back to this guy. So, uh, <laughs> 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 all right. Um, so I think the brother of the first half, I think pretty much our, our thoughts are probably all the same. Like the kickers did great at pos- possessing the ball, holding on to the ball, cutting out in terms of support Lauderdale. But finishing was an issue. I think also like they they asked a lot of Fort Lauderdale because it seemed like the only time that Fort Lauderdale was able to create interference was off of like a counter or like a set piece that was happening off box because of time. Outside of that, it hasn't been like a game's past where the kickers just get submerged deep into their box. Like uh, we can't get out, we're just tucked in. It didn't feel like that. Like I didn't have that moment at all where I'm like, no, in ten minutes have passed, we haven't been past half. The halfway line. So I think that was that's the positive you take out of the first half. Yeah, it was um, almost like the opposite. It was almost like ten minutes have passed and they haven't been in our half. <laughs> Once again, very weird. Um so going into the second half, and this is something I heard the commentator talking about a lot about how Darren was saying like he wants to get his team mentally tougher. And he was comparing the announcer was comparing how Fort Lauderdale is very, very young. Like they have a lot of experience together. And Richmond is the complete opposite of that. Like they're very experienced. They don't have a lot of time together. And I want to get your guys' thoughts on that. Like, do you guys agree with that statement or do you think it's just as we like to call it on here, coaches talk? No, I think that's that's fairly accurate. Um, we do have some returning players, but if he's talking about time together in more in less than a they've been on the same squad together and more of they're not really creating that bond as teammates, then that's, that's something that's worrying because that that's how you. I think he was mentioning it as more of like, like Fort Lauderdale, they grew up in the youth system. They've been together for like long, like almost like how North Texas was. Like they've been together for long periods of time where Richmond, like, like you're saying, like it's, you have so many returning guys, but you have fairly new guys like Dale, Chris Cole, People like that, like they're you're still getting used to playing here. Just, yeah, you know, that's a huge jump time. Not like 
is a rip in the locker room or anything like that. Like, no, no, <laughs> no. nothing like that. But I, I think one thing we need to ask ourselves is how many players on this Richmond Kickers team came from the Richmond Kickers Youth Club? Not any. Not any that are playing regularly. And that is, I think, where one of Richmond's weaknesses is because if you have at least a, a, a few players that grew up in the system, in the system, in the, the, the culture of the club, there is a direction that you can bring the club to. That's what you saw with North Texas the first season we had League One, and they just, like, they they literally stormed the league because these guys had been playing together since they were, like, 13, 8, 8 to 13 years old. They were playing together. And that in the system of Dallas, you know? And so that system coming up, they're they're going through this system together. They they basically have it hardwired in them how to play. Same thing is happening with Fort Lauderdale right now. Richmond, not so much. Uh, Hold you're, on, you're literally Hold grabbing on. players from different places, so you're not going to get. <laughs> you're not. You're not going to get any kind of system. You're not going to have a system. You're not going to have a way of playing. So. You're telling me that Fort Lauderdale, that you know the whole Inter Miami system that started two years ago, is going to be you know this well-oiled machine. I'm looking through their lineup right now. You know, uh, Mabika, their you know huge, awesome center back. Uh, you know where he came from? University of Kentucky. You know he you know, had, didn't have any connection to them. Calendar, I don't believe had any you know, connection to them. Certainly, Neville's kid doesn't have any connection to them. Hundal came from Toronto. Uh, not entirely i can't remember other guys off the top of my head but that's not a team that's played together for forever you know they're a bunch of pieced together guys who happen to be younger they might have you know higher ceilings you know than a lot of our guys do but they don't you know that north texas team was you know i think they're going to you know go down as you know a freak level team because they've had multiple guys who've been sold for multi-millions already you know to europe uh you know probably a couple more you know along the way uh, you know, to come with you know, Pepe and some of the other guys. Uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think that's going to be the norm at all. You no, know, no matter- it's it's not going to be the norm, and I think that that is something that we're just going to have to get used to in the United States. It's not something that's ever going to really happen. If you look at a lot of the clubs right. on almost all the levels, it's not it's not something that's common that you find yeah. a grassroots. Look at look at almost any team anywhere though. How many guys really play for their, you know, the same you know senior team that you know they came up with? You, it's a big deal when like you know like you know Chelsea this last year. Oh, you know Mason Mount, you know came through and you know Reese James, you know came through. Yeah, but Those if are two you look names. at how many guys yeah, are on a team? I know, but if you look at some of the dynasties in the past couple of decades, Manchester United, Barcelona, their dynasties were based off of a core group of academy players. You look sure, at the, 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 I mean, the you look you're, at you're also talking about two, two teams out of the entire world. No, right I, I don't. Think, I don't think we can re- realistically expect, that, especially in Richmond. 
No, of course, of course, I'm not expecting us to to reach the heights, you know, to 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 do oh, that. I mean, yeah, that, I mean, what yeah, what I'm course. saying is, you you when you have that kind of piecemeal situation, like you're you're naming you you named all those players from Fort Lauderdale. What do they have in common? They came through the American college system. We have players that came from Sweden, Argentina, uh, Brazil. It's 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 very hard especially since I don't think there has been enough longevity ever since Lee Kalashaw in order for the Richmond kickers to have a system for these players to, to become accustomed to Much right better. now there's, 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 it's, it's basically we're, we're starting from scratch right now in terms of a system because we have a, a new coach. It's his second year. We have players literally piecemealed from all over the place. It's not like you're taking a core group of players that understand each other and building from there. I mean, I would make the argument that we have a core group of players who played under the same coach last year. The COVID year? <laughs> still, more, still more than most teams you know, have year-to-year in lower league American soccer. Yeah, I think we returned the uh, – I think, yeah, I think at the beginning of the year, I think we returned the most people back. But, I mean, look, this is a good argument. Yeah, I, I mean – You can lo- go either way on it, but – Long term, I would love it if the team was, you know, heavily based around, you know, Richmond and Virginia guys as a whole, but not there right now. You know, so you, you bring in the talent where you can. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I mean, not necessarily having people that, you know, in – that are – Virginia or Central Virginia bred, but just to give an example, um, my wife who doesn't know a lot, a lot about soccer. I mean, she didn't really start watching soccer until she met me. And one thing that she started to realize was like, I don't recognize anybody on the Richmond Kickers team anymore. Like it started getting to the point where it was like, you would go to the games and you'd be like, oh yeah, that guy. Oh yeah, that guy. Oh yeah, Yambi. Oh yeah. Kalunji, oh yeah, you know, and it got to a point where it was like, who the, who the heck are these guys? Like, I don't know these guys. I understand that that's coming from someone who's watching it much more lightly than, for example, you, the three of us. Oh, yeah. yeah, we're we're weirdos, so we don't count. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're the we're, we're the we're the soccer nerds. <laughs> yeah. But I, I we're mean, the I soccer nerds. also think like there's extraneous factors, and this is a different conversation that we can definitely have a whole show on. Yeah, Maybe we should. Maybe we should just do that. But um, I think the way how the team is set up, if you look over the course from 2017 to definitely now, there's been a lot of changes. But there are various factors why those changes happen. You know, yeah. players age out, we drop down, different things, but. Um, it's good that you did bring up that point because I didn't wish I forgot it. Richmond did sign two players this week. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure I get his name right. Darmian, um, Heliados. He came from Richmond. Damian Gallegos. Okay, there we go. There you go. That's what we got to on the show, Matt. Correct me. And then Sam Solomon. <laughs> um, another forward option. You know, it's good to see. But yeah, one so, of those so, happened so, to be a homegrown player for Richmond United. Yeah. Yeah, so Damien has been with the I think he started with like the kickers youth teams and then moved his way up to the Richmond United uh you know team. Uh he's slated to you know, be playing college ball at VCU uh in the fall. So this will be, you know, good way for him to get some experience, good way for the team to get some uh you know additional cover. Hopefully, you know, maybe we can you know, be able to you know, get him into uh you know some 
time on the field. Uh, he, made, he was on the bench this week, uh, so that's definitely a step. And then uh, Solomon, he's a guy who's been with the team ever since preseason. He's been, you know, a, a training player, and uh, yeah, they, you know, they decided to move forward, bring him on, uh, you know, as a full rostered player. So congrats to Sam. Yeah, I saw the players were like really, really excited that Solomon got his uh, contract. Um, <clears throat> but it is also good to see that like there is some formulation of a pipeline up to the first team. Because for the longest, <clears throat> my bad, for the longest it looked like, you know, what's going on with the academy? Like, are we going to bring anyone up? Like, are we going to sign? And real quick, do you guys think he gets any games? Do you think he, you know, gets a game here or there before he goes off to VCU in the fall? If I had a bet, I'd like a five minute appearance, not like a start. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, if I had a guess, an appearance. yeah, if I had to guess, you know, I think the safe bet is no, uh, but I would love if it happened because that probably means that, you know, the team's comfortably in control of the game. Yeah. Yeah. It would probably be a game where we're, we're looking comfortable and, you know, you want to put him on there, give him minutes and give him that feel that, that the, familiarize him with the pace of the professional game. Um, you know, it, it's it's interesting seeing him come in, and it, it's interesting you talking about that pipeline, but I think um, we may have um, our trip to Lionsbridge a couple years ago to thank for that, because there, are a, a, there, were, there were quite a few Richmond United uh, players who were brought on to to play in that game and um, showcasing the talent from the Richmond United Academy uh, on a professional uh, on a semi-professional to professional level may have opened the doors for signings like Sam Solomon. Yeah, it's definitely good to see that the views are coming through Richmond. I think that's going to be final stuff. So, um, yeah, see. But let's get back to the game. Um, we're probably we might do a side podcast on that point Shanae brought up. I think that's a really good point. I mean, um, it's kind of inappropriate that we took a long break from talking about the game, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> exactly. You know, <laughs> <laughs> break that was happening. Yeah, it wasn't three hours, though. It wasn't three hours. <laughs> I, I mean, if you guys want to start filling three hours, I'm down. Let's go. You're <laughs> gonna need a lot of water and a lot of time. I don't think it was. I don't think it was water that was getting you know drunk the most. Uh, you know, on that concourse during the break. Um, <laughs> yeah. Probably not. What? It, it, look, it was funny because in the Red Army Facebook group, <clears throat> I forgot who put it in there, but I saw that <laughs> they still had the beer lines open to the same same year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, I know everyone was toe up. I know everyone <laughs> was toe up. I mean, where, where do you think everybody descended to uh, when, you know, that five or ten minutes of, like, really hard rain came down? <laughs> where, where else are you going to go that's covered? Right. We brought, that's true. A like, beer sales, because I'm pretty sure they skyrocketed through that three-hour stretch. Yeah, I mean, I, I got another one then. What else was I going to do? <laughs> Yeah, that, like like you said, Matt, that was the only place people could find cover without going back to their cars. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
so in the second half, not a whole lot happened. It was kind of still mirrored the same thing as the second half. Richmond controlled the ball. Fort Lauderdale was comfortable sitting back. Um, but I want to ask you guys this. Do you think Richmond had two penalties that were missing this game? Because I have it in my notes. I think I have one in the 50, 58th minute and then another one in the 42nd minute. You think? I mean, look, this ref let a lot of stuff go. He he was giving yellow cards here and there, but you guys think Richmond had a case for two penalties in this game? Um, I, I those could have gone either way, to be honest with you, and I can't be too mad that they didn't go our way. Uh, but I do feel that you are right. The ref was letting a lot of things go. I think at one point, um, I don't, I can't remember if it was Terzaghi or Victor, who actually got annoyed with the ref for talking to a player for too long, for talking to one of the Fort Lauderdale players for too long, which is, I mean, as a referee, you got to take control of the game the short way. And I don't know. I don't know if it's a lack of experience, but this ref was—he was missing a lot of things. And you don't need to sit there and have a thirty-second-long chat with a player about how many fouls he's committed and he needs to stop fouling. I mean, it should—it should be literally three seconds. You say what you need to say, and we move on. And I think, uh, Terzaghi, yeah, I think it was Terzaghi. He was—he was getting annoyed with how long it was taking for this ref to talk to one of the Fort Lauderdale players after that Fort Lauderdale player had committed a foul. Yeah. Overall, I thought the refereeing was fine. Like, I don't, I don't personally don't mind refs who let them play as long as it's consistently letting them play. And yeah, I looked at the stats. He still whistled 30,000 the match. So it wasn't like he it was literally just bloodbath out there or anything uh, for the penalties. Uh, I, I guess my answer has to be no, because I have, I don't have any recollection of the first half. You know, potential penalty. You know, so uh, don't know about that one. The second one, uh, you know, it was right in front of us, right after the break. You know, started up. Uh, it was one where I, I certainly thought it was you know foul. I would, I wasn't stunned when it wasn't given. I was more surprised when the whistle was blown, and then it was given as a Fort Lauderdale free kick. You know, you know coming out. You know, and uh, you could see that Emmy was equally well, stunned by that. Uh, well, I don't think well. Emmy was was. I don't think it was a foul on him. I think it's because he grabbed the ball, thinking that it was going to be called for him. Uh, okay, I'm. So when he grabs the ball, that's a handball. That yeah, that was that was a handball. They they called a handball on Emmy, but Emmy's like, this shouldn't be a handball because I stopped the play because I just got fouled. So. Gotcha. Okay. The one in the forty second minute was like Emmy and Matt Matt Bodo both got tackled in the box, and the ref was just like. But all right, yeah. Um, outside of that, Victor, I, I swear, I think we talk about it every game of Victor, but he had a beautiful, like, diagonal pass. I forgot who got it on the end of it, but it was in the 68th minute. And Victor literally, I don't think he picked his head up. I think he just automatically, you know, like, I'm putting this ball into his face. Someone's going to get on the end of it. And I don't know what it is, but I love. I love Victor's passing range. I just want to just make a note of that. Because <laughs> I feel like we always talk about him, but I love his passing range. I mean, it's a great skill to have. 
like when he's allowed to like have space and pick his head up, I think Richard probably is the best passer. And he might be one of the top three passers in the game when it comes to like them long, like directional passes. He might be one of the best in USL. I'm confidently saying that. Um, and in the seventy-first minute, the guy who I declare is the super sub of the Richmond Kickers, outside of anyone in Chattanooga. Um, <laughs> Sweet Pete himself. Ass. Yeah. <laughs> he come on for Bologna's, but I mean, I feel confident with him being our super sub. Like, he's like the Jamal Crawford for Richmond Kickers. I'm totally fine with that. Okay. Hey, look, I, look, be real with you. He's done more in what He's come off the bench, scored a goal against the Rev, two assists versus um, South Georgia, and an assist in this game. Then he's done in which he started. And I don't think he started over the game. But that's besides the point. I want to make my point correct. I think he's a great super sub, and I think Darren's doing a fantastic job, job managing Olex. <laughs> yeah, he, he's one of those players who is a – I would say in terms of a comparison, he's a more efficient Denilson. I don't know if any of you remember Denilson from back in the day from Brazil. We're Ooh. going so we're going to some you know, interesting callbacks this episode. <laughs> like, like what because when I think Jamal Crawford Idris Elba from from Thor, not not the wire Idris Elba, not Luther Idris Elba. <laughs> Thor, Idris Elba. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, no, like, because I remember, I clearly remember, and especially when you looked at the uh, 2002 World Cup Brazil squad, uh, when any game where Brazil was up in the, like, 70th minute, they throw Danielson on, and he just run down that left flank and do, like, 15 step-overs. 15 scissors and try and burn somebody and create nothing. But Olex is a more efficient version of that. He comes on and he's that flashy player that comes at a tired defense. So it's basically one of those players who, let's say you've been dealing with Bolaños the whole game. It's like, geez, this guy's fast. I'm having to chase him down this whole game. And it's like, oh, he's going off. All right. And you bring on Olex, and they're like, "Oh, great, this guy!" <laughs> so it's it, it's it's really great that we have that type of player that can come on for either Bulldog or Bolaños, who can keep the defense honest and keep the opposing defense at a state where they're like, "Oh crap, here we go again." So I'm loving it, and like like you said, uh, Elliot, kudos to Darren for keeping him as that super sub. I remember getting roasted on this podcast because I asked the question, is he a great super sub? And I was like, no, but he is. He's an amazing whoa, super Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm tired of anyone in Chattanooga. <laughs> oh, I don't think anybody said he wasn't a great super sub. I think the question was, is that his best role? And we were questioning, you know, what could he give to us as a starter? I would, I'll throw it out here. I think he's starting at least one of these next two games. Mm. Yeah, because think about the games he did start. Started the other Fort Lauderdale game where he was very active. Probably should have had, you know, a goal. He started the Chattanooga game. He scored, and that one. 
you might have started, you know, one or two others as well. So it's not like he's performed poorly as a starter. I, I, he might have more of an impact as, you know, a sub, but, you know, I, th I think you're misrepresenting the conversation, trying to get back at us for uh, pointing out the flaws of some of your other arguments tonight. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. I think, you know, I'm just saying. But while we're talking all this about all that, he does definitely come into play. He has an impact. 86 minutes. This goal is probably very simple because Neil, Neil, I gotta put this. Neil has very good games where he's not. I mean, anybody can do this, not doing stuff. But Neil has very good games when he's allowed to operate in a space where he's not being asked to track back defensively. You get what I'm saying? Like, does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yes. Like, if Neil's allowed to be on the front front, not have to worry about, you know, going back on defense, he can take over a game. He took over this game in a lot of moments because – he was making the right passes, and he made the right pass, playing off the Olex. And me and Matt were talking about Shanir. The one thing you can't do with Olex is allow him to get inside of it. Like, if you if you keep Olex outside, if you him, like, down the line, in a straight line, nine times out of ten, he's going to dribble out of bounds. But as soon as you allow Olex to cut inside, it's a wrap. Like, you're not catching him. And that's what um, – Rosalos did. Like, he allowed Olex to cut inside of him. And the, when, he, when Olex played this ball, there's literally three Fort Lauderdale players right there. Hernan is, like, low down blocking one. And Emmy just floats in between the two Fort Lauderdale guys and just taps it in. And the Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale goalkeeper, I'm going to give him some crap on this because literally, like, if he stands still, this is a save. And he literally, he just dives early. I mean, we'll take it. I'll take those goals, but this is the one. This is the one shot on target that should not have been converted. Uh, we we de we deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> we did. Three hours in the rain. It all happened. Yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest with you, I, I was actually like to the listeners. I was vigorously nodding when you said you. Don't let Olex cut inside you. And I was thinking the same thing when it happened. When when uh, Neil sent that pass down to Olex, and Olex did that step over to let the ball go through, and then kept moving forward with the ball. The way Rosales came in, trying to cut him off from the corner. In my head, I was thinking, "Oh, please do that. Please do that." <laughs> and Olex just cuts it inside him. And it's it's just one of those situations where it's like, dude, you you don't let Olex cut inside. The moment you let Olex cut in, inside, like Bartok says, it can only end in tears. It it it's it's just bad for your team if you let Olex cut inside. And to be honest with you, I I'm not sure about the angle on the broadcast, but it looks like. Emmy may have stolen that goal from Hernan. <laughs> because Hernan actually had um what's that center back's name? The the Fort Lauderdale center back. Oh, you talked about Emmy Heat uh center that was playing for Fort Lauderdale today? I mean yes. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> that guy. Um uh I'm trying to remember his name. Um 
But yeah, he Hernan basically had him behind him. He had him pinned. And that ball coming in, literally Hernan could have just swiped a foot at it to stroke it into the goal. But Terzaghi comes flying in. And uh yeah, oh, Mabika. I think that was his name. Yeah. Yeah. Um so um yeah. He might have uh stolen a goal from Hernan right there. Stolen Hernan's first goal for the Richmond Kickers. All right. All all part of God's plan, you know, uh that the keeper he was laughing at he was thinking, you know, laugh now, cry later, he was all he was in his feelings. I'm gonna keep on throwing out the few Drake references I know because that was the dude's name in the net. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm, I'm 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 with it. I'm hip like this. <laughs> I definitely didn't just Google Drake songs so I could try to you know, find ones to you know, drop in here. Is no one else listening to this show? At least you do not listen to like the references. These references are tough and hilarious. Yeah, we we got we got the references on lock today. <laughs> um, yeah, after the goal, man, I want to ask you guys this. I know we probably went a little bit over time, but do you guys feel like, how do you guys think the last, give or take, seven minutes for the kickers went after the ball? Me, personally, I think they got a little sloppy. I think they kind of relaxed a little bit too much because um, I didn't see them have the same vigor of trying to get up the field, trying to get the second goal. I'm not saying they weren't trying to do it. It just feels like, you know, you like the first goal, like, ooh, all right, now we got it. All right. You know? So I, I, didn't, I didn't get that at all I, it looked in the stadium it looked like they were you know, either they're put you know, they wanted to push you know, get the winner i think it's more fort lauderdale you know realized oh maybe we need to actually play now you know maybe we're not just going to be able to sit back and you know try to you know steal all three we need to actually do anything with the ball so i think that was more of it you know than any anything else i don't think you know the intensity and the attack slowed down at all because you could see you know Emmy scores the goal. He, you know, rushes right in that net to get the ball and sprint on back to midfield. You know, a draw was not what they were looking for. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and I mean, I was going to say the same thing. They they were trying to get that second goal, but I think it was trying a little too hard, and they got a little frantic. I think is what what happened. They they yeah they they they. They scored that goal. Emmy goes, grabs the ball, runs back to the center circle, puts the ball, puts the ball in the middle on the spot, and they're trying to go again so that we can press, try and win that ball, and see if we can get another one. In fact, shortly after that, that's when um, um, uh, drawing a blank again, Krishner, um, actually has a little bit of a tussle with Calendar. Because the ball goes out of bounds, and uh, I think it, I think it was for a corner, and Calendar holds the ball and throws it away, and Chrysler gets in his face about it, and they actually there's actually a little bit of a of a little bit I guess words exchanged, and you could see. Chrysler was upset about that situation. He, they, he felt that time wasting was eating into the time that the Richmond kickers were trying to keep that momentum going, keep that forward press in order to try and get that winner. So 
I, I don't know. I, I think in those situations, I understand, yeah, it's a draw. You want to get that win, but sometimes you do need to take a breath real quick and be like, all right, how can we put the second one in? Not just, okay, let's go for the second one. Let's go for the second one. Let's go for the second one. Then it's frantic. Then it's chaos. Then And the other team is sitting back, you know, Fort Lauderdale sitting there with with the arms up in front of the face there and you're and if you're just wildly flailing punches you're not hitting anything and i think that's what happened for the final seven-ish minutes um so final thoughts of this game how do y'all guys feel after this draw like you guys are positive about it you guys think see what the kickers had to go through you know having the game delayed then having another two and a half hours of delay how do you guys feel about the I mean, I think they handled it well. Um, they handled the delay well because a delay that long after playing about 45 minutes in the sweltering heat, it, it can really throw off your game. Uh, it can really disrupt how you play. And I think the Richmond Kickers handled it fairly well and were able to uh, maintain a certain maintain their their plan even after waiting a good three hours before starting up again. Yeah, I'm, I'm mixed on this. Uh, obviously, you come back, you, you're able to rescue a point from a losing position. That's never a bad thing. And I'll, I'll be real, during that long break, I wouldn't have been crushed if you know, the game got you know, abandoned and had to get replayed at a later date. You know, because while we had possession, there weren't a ton, a ton of dangerous you know, chances. Uh, so there's a part of me that's like, eh, let's ru- let's just run this back some other time and uh, take another shot at it, and maybe we don't, uh, you know, have that breakdown in the first six minutes of the game. Uh, so mixed bag there, you know, big picture, uh, you didn't really lose any ground you know, anywhere because everybody else is, you know, drawing, uh, you know, other than Tormenta somehow coming back and beating Greenville, that was weird. But they've they've played so many games that that doesn't necessarily bother me that more just pulls Greenville back to the pack a little bit more but at the same time you know we're we got to start beating some of these teams that were you know directly up against you know in the table uh you know because there's a lot of season left but it's also going by pretty quick you know by you know the time the next recording half the season's going to be over uh so can't let you know opportunities you know, keep slipping on by and uh I mean at North Carolina, at you know Tormenta in this upcoming week, at least one of those needs to be a win, and I think I you know probably at least need four points out of those. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, me and Matt are going down to the game on Wednesday, so that should be fun! Yay! Road trip podcast. I haven't done one of those in a long time. Um, and then Matt will be down in the game on Saturday. Yeah. So, if, it, if any of you are randomly there as well uh i'll have i'll have my red ivan magales number four kickers jersey you know feel free to come say hello because i love our players but yeah definitely you know definitely uh anybody's in north carolina or uh south georgia you know come by, you know, you know, say hello. Uh, road trips are fun. You know, always good to be able to connect with other, you know, kickers, you know, fans. 
uh, in the not, I guess in this case, not so hostile confines. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll be there. Yeah. Oh, and real quick before we wrap up, we get the new um, points per game standards. Like you said, we're still a couple games behind, but uh, Taka first is Omaha and Chattanooga. Third is Greenville. Madison is fourth. Toronto FC2 is fifth. We're tied with FC Tucson um, for six, who we play at the end of the month. So that's that's a big game. Um, North Texas is at eighth. Res at nine. Fort Lauderdale is 10. Tormenta is 11th. And then North Carolina rounds out at point five four. Yeah, that's so how weird the standings are. Tormenta is in fourth in the points table, and they're, what would you say, 10th or 11th? They're 11th, yeah. Yeah, so. Strange stuff. Games are huge. I think we're unbeaten in our last. I think the stat says six games at home. Like I, we looked at it today. Like definitely, home record is a lot better than our away record. <laughs> and like we were saying, Matt, before um, we got on, like if Richmond manages to get four points or six points, trust me, more six out of these yeah. next two games, we're potentially in third spot in a home playoff game. And I think like that would be a key for Richmond because on the road, we only have one win, one draw, and three losses. So I think if we could avoid being on the road during the playoffs, I think that'd be good. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. All right. Well, anything else you guys before we wrap up? I mean, go USA. <laughs> No, they, they they beat they beat Matt Bulldog's time, man. They beat Matt Bulldog's time. Twenty one seconds, man. <laughs> blame, blame Canada. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's what happens when you call him Canadian baby. <laughs> All right, y'all. But as always, we want to say thank you guys for taking the time of your day. Listen to our show. Um, if you want to. Support us, follow us on Twitter and on Instagram and on YouTube at RiverCity93. Maybe it's spelled the same way. Um, if you got any suggestions for shows or people you would like for us to interview, hit us up, let us know. This show is for the fans, so that's what we do. By the way, I want to give a big shout-out to Matt. He did an amazing show last weekend with two legends of uh, Richmond Kickers folklore, so make sure to go support that podcast. It is episode... 93, I believe. Um, hey. But he said now. So, yeah, hey, hey. You know, um, definitely go support that podcast. Um, also, I want to give a huge, 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 huge shout out to Shanir. My man just got a new coaching gig at Crystal Ray, right? Shanir? Yes. Yeah. My man is now the, I'm going to just call him the head, head soccer coach. He pretty much runs the whole soccer program over there. So shout out to Shanir. You know, we're always looking for positive growth in this Richmond community, my man. So shout out to you. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 great. I mean, coaching has always been fun for me ever since I started coaching a few years ago. It's been it's been a fun, fun, fun thing for me to do. So yeah, and Elliot, you're okay. <laughs> I just hosted. <laughs> 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 <laughs>